0: If I wasn't injured right now, again, it would just be me suppressing things. At some point in time, these things are going to come up. You know, there's no way around it. It's how life is, it's how things come up, things happen. And, and I'm happy that this is happening. It gives me an opportunity, a chance to get better as a person. You know, so I can be loving to others and caring for others, but it starts with myself. There's no way I can... Become a better runner. There's no way I can become a better person, you know, better husband, or you know, to to someone one day, or better friend, you know, better coach or coworker X, Y, Z. If I'm not right within.
1: Up, everyone i'm your host mario fraioli and you're listening to the morning shakeout podcast every week on this show i try to glean unique insights and uncommon inspiration from a wide range of personalities in an effort to help you see what's possible through the lens of running this week's conversation is with marquise bowden who you may remember from episode 132 back in the fall of 2020 Since that time, nearly two years ago, Marquise and I have kept in close touch and make it a point to catch up with one another every couple of weeks. His life has undergone a lot of changes since we recorded that first podcast. He moved from the only place he'd ever known, Los Angeles, California, to the mountains of Boulder, Colorado. He's embedded himself in the running and cycling communities there and put himself on a path to chase his professional, athletic, and personal dreams. In this episode, we talk about that transition and what it's been like for him. We discuss trauma, hardship, reaching out for help, and prioritizing his mental health. Marquise told me about trying to take his running to the next level, navigating injuries from both a physical and emotional standpoint, the importance of leaning into his community, especially during tough times, and a lot more. Before we get into it, a big thank you to New Balance for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're looking for a workhorse to run most of your miles in, look no further than the Fresh Foam X 1080 V12. Man, do I love this shoe. Just when I didn't think I could like the 1080 anymore, they came out with this incredible version of it. Longtime listeners will know that this has been my go-to training shoe for the past few years, and the V12 will no doubt be the shoe that I put most of my miles in for the rest of the year. The 1080 V12 has the perfect blend of cushioning and responsiveness, it's lightweight, it transitions smoothly, it has the most streamlined fit to accommodate a wide variety of foot types, and it holds up to heavy mileage week in and week out. The Fresh Foam X 1080 V12 is available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Check them out and give them a try today. Okay, that's it for the introduction. Please enjoy this uninterrupted conversation with my man, Marquise Bowden. All right, Marquise Bowden, we catch up on the phone every few weeks, but this is the first time we've turned the mics on since fall of 2020. It's a pleasure to welcome you back to the Morning Shakeout podcast.
0: Oh, Moral, thank you for having me as always. It's always a pleasure and super
1: grateful, super grateful to be here. We're having this conversation mid-June 2022. Catch me and my listeners up with where you're at in life right now. Oh, wow. A lot has changed. A lot has happened. (laughs) But gratefully, again, uh,
0: I'm here in Boulder, Colorado, not in Los Angeles, and uh, the scenery is much, much different, <laughs> especially with weather, too. So um so happy to be here. It's, it's, a, it's a dream come true. It's changed my life since I've been here
1: um, and excited for what's to come. Yeah. How long have you been in Boulder now? I can't remember exactly when it was that you moved out.
0: Yeah, so I literally packed up the car and left uh, the day after Christmas of 2020. Okay, And so I've been here, yeah, I would say a year and a half. And it blows my mind to even process that.
1: Yeah, it's crazy to think that was just a couple months after yeah. we first talked for the exactly. podcast. I mean, we've been in regular contact since then, but I'm just like, I mean, everything's still a time warp to me right now. Yeah, and I'm absolutely. like, wow, it's been like a year and a half that you've called yeah. Boulder home. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's one of those
0: things is out of body experience every time I try to process it. And, um, I don't take it for granted. I try not to take anything for granted, you know, and being here again, it's just, it's just like, <laughs> it's no worries for it. You know, it's one of those things that feels like it's a whole new world. Um, especially when you're comparing it to like, like, like Los Angeles, um, it's a beautiful place here. Beautiful place.
1: I want to get into that with you, but just to catch the listeners up, what brought you out to Boulder at the end of 2020? Yeah, so um, at the time, um,
0: in the later parts of uh, 2020, I was working for Gooder. Um, and it, was a, it was a short stint, um, but it was, I had the opportunity to stay on. But we received the opportunity working for a cycling company uh, called Hunt, uh, and they pretty much specialize in uh, carbon alloy wheel sets. And um, a buddy of mine, a, by the name of Ken Rodriguez, is like my brother. He is my brother um let me because I was pretty much again the the, the job at it was pretty much temporary job you know and, uh, and I was always on this kick of trying to get somewhere where I can live life in a different especially at the time of COVID and so much uncertainty and life hits everybody hard at that point in time so like, I think everyone or most people I would say at least myself was on this kick like my next move has to be the best move you know and I didn't know what was next, and so this opportunity came up to move to Boulder, out of my eyes were heat was was huge, you know, and at that time as well, uh, again, I was laid off and just a lot of just turmoil, a lot of just trials and as well trying to pick myself up to continue running as well. I was like, Boulder, heck, yes, you know there's, <laughs> you know there's beautiful, beautiful people running, guru of a place, uh, I can be able to ride bikes as well. Um, but it was a scary move, <laughs> you know. Um, anyone who knows me knows my grandma is my everything, and I mean that with a capital E, with an explanation point at the end, you know. And um, just being that she supported, you know, the move was like, hey, go after your dream, go after your goals. You only get you only get one crack at this, you know. You got to go and. That was all I needed and literally packed up the car. It didn't even feel right packing up my car, you know, but I knew that I had a, I had a place to be, you know, so it, it made it, it made it right.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you're a, a lifelong LA guy. I mean, you're born Absolutely. and raised there. That's, I mean, all you knew was kind of that yeah. like Compton mm-hmm. Carson area yep. of California, but at the end of 2020, when you were trying to figure things out what that next move was going to be before this opportunity came up were you open to the possibility of moving away from the only place that you knew to that point in your life oh absolutely not it it never crossed my
0: mind you know and when uh speaking with now my my mom Sam Johnson and 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 my buddy Ken who again who who approached me with the job position here in Colorado was like yeah you have to move to Colorado I was like (laughs) Like, like, huh? You know, and, and things got really slow, and I, have never processed, never fathomed the possibilities of, of leaving uh, California, and um, it's been the scariest, most beautiful thing, <laughs> you know, at the
1: same time. Yeah, I mean, this is something that we connected over because, in my own way, this is rewinding, actually, almost exactly ten years to 2010. I'm born and raised in. Massachusetts. I'd spent the first 28 years of my life there. I had bought a house. Um, I had a good job. My family was close. My dad lived a mile down the road. I mean, uh, she's since passed away, but I was very close to my Nana as well. That's something we connected over in that that first conversation. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I really thought that that was going to be it for me. Like, that was home. That's where I was meant to be. That's where my family wasn't. I couldn't see myself living outside of central Massachusetts. And then this dream opportunity came up for me to be an editor at competitor.com and competitor magazine catches the jobs in San Diego. And I had been to California once to that (laughs) point. Um, And the thought of living in California, I mean, much less just moving, you know, 3,000 miles away from everyone and everything that I knew was equally daunting and exciting and i know just from our conversations you were in a very similar position when this opportunity came up for you
0: yeah yeah absolutely in every
1: way (laughs) when you knew that the job was in boulder though and i mean your extracurricular interests are running and cycling i mean that had to have just like caught your attention very quickly i was like oh well, that's not a bad place to go for the things that that I like to do. Take me through what that was like for you when you realize, okay, I've got this awesome opportunity. It's Mm -hmm. nowhere near where I'm from, but it's in a pretty special place for the things that I like to do.
0: Absolutely, Mario. And I think for me, just on the outside, looking in of obviously Colorado not being here, um, not ever been here or moved here, uh, really, I think I've been to Colorado once for basketball purposes, um, but that was just one time, you know. And um, but you always hear through the grapevine how you know Colorado, Boulder specifically, is. You know, the it's the, one of the meccas. You know, you got Flagstaff, you got Boulder, you got you know, as far as altitude places. Um, so you hear so many great stories, and and that excited me, of course, you know, and especially trying to get with the, with their running dreams and goals and. I'm like, okay, this gives me a good shot. It gives me, it, it definitely puts puts you in perspective. It puts me in put me in perspective to think like, okay, we can we can really do this, you know? Um, because being around like minded people, you go further, you know. Mm-hmm. We can't do this. We can't do this thing on our own, you know. And not really knowing anyone here was the scariest part. Um, but you know, good for you. You know, you you uh, intro me to be Roy and in Everyone knows B-Shor is, that's my dog, you know, that's, that's my guy, my guy, my guy. And we'll do anything for him, his wife, Aaron, his whole family, like, they're family to me. Like, you couldn't tell me nothing. Me and b Troy are blood, you know. So, <laughs> And so uh, it, everything really started to make sense once I got here. Um, but it was scary. <laughs> Very scary in a sense because you just don't know anyone. You don't know anything. <laughs> I'm a thousand, thousands of miles away from home. So, um, such a beautiful feeling now here, you know, and, you know, it's still a long process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that process is going to be ongoing for, you know, as long as you choose to be there. I'm interested in what that conversation was like with your grandmother when you brought it up to her, like, Hey grandma, I got this opportunity Mm -hmm. for an incredible job in the cycling industry. By the way, it's in Colorado. Yeah,
0: and I postponed that conversation (laughs) as many times as I could. And when I came to her, I I didn't even use the words Colorado. You know, I was like, hey, granny, I got to, I call it G, you know, Mm -hmm. I I, got to, guess what? You know, I got a new job. And she's super excited. My grandma's always been on me about, you know, working and, you know, making, not obviously being rich, but just, you know, making sure you're able to live and be comfortable and She's always wanted that for me. And so I knew she was going to be excited. And she's like, Oh, it a job at downtown LA or is it? <laughs> we know where, where, we know where, you, where. Do you, you know. And I told her, Colorado. She's like, Where's Colorado? <laughs> My like, granny's. It's, it's three states over. And she said, I don't know, Marquis. It's like, you know, and that, that, I don't know, quickly changed uh, to I'm happy for you. Um, you know, we're here for you. I'm scared. I'm going to miss you. But she didn't know I was serious though. You know, like she really didn't take it serious in in, in a positive way until the days got closer and, you know, and she starts to see me, you know, going out, you know, packing, purchasing things for this and packing and and she realized it was really real, you know, and you shed a lot of tears before I left and, and, um, it's an unforgettable day that I literally shut my hood for the first time of my car and drove off. It was the day after Christmas. You know, maybe I should have timed it a little bit more perfectly, but um, <laughs> I just wanted to hurry and get here, you know, and um, unforgettable day, unforgettable day. Left like at four o'clock in the morning. My grandma was up, <laughs> you know, ready for me to leave and. You know, she doesn't appreciate that. We still talk about it to this day. You know, yeah. but she's really happy for me. Really happy
1: for me. How has your relationship with her evolved over the past oh, year and a half that you've been away from home? You've been back to visit a few times, and even surprised absolutely. her early on. Yeah, um, when you yeah. did that. But I'm curious how that dynamic has changed since you're not seeing her as frequently as you used to. Uh-oh. There's so much peace, Mario, so much peace and so
0: much stillness and calmness in our relationship. Not that it wasn't like that prior to, but, you know, when you're around someone every day. You see him every day. There's like there's not that freshness, you know, and it's brought a great fresh a sense of breath and fresh air to my myself and my grandmother's relationship. It brought us a lot closer, you know, and I know. Um, but it's also like, again, that that negative because I'm not around
1: my grandmother, but as far as our relationship, it's, it's helped it, enhanced it so much. Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I experienced something very similar myself, certainly with my Nana, but also with other members of my family. Cause I think when you're around people every day, yeah, absolutely. there's something beautiful about that too, but it does become routine and you can take it for granted on mm-hmm. some level. And you just assume like, well this is just how this is just how it is. Like I've got this person here. And it it takes that separation sometimes to, you know, really force you to reflect on what that relationship means to you, how important that person is to your life. And I think it makes those subsequent Interactions, whether you're talking on the phone or whether you're visiting in person, just that much better and and that much stronger. And I just know from from our conversations and what you just described now that you've really experienced that for yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It makes you cherish it even more, and it and it brings excitement, you know. And and we didn't have that for a long time. Myself, my grandmother. It was always again. Hey, I love you. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. You know, just normal, normal relationship a uh, you know a, a grandson and a grandmother will have. You know, but now that you know you're away from each other, when you come together, it's it's really, it's really special. It's the same thing with my entire family. You know, and to see them again, it's just so happy for me to to, to see me really getting after because they they knew how much I love running and how much I put into it. Um, but the support has been. A billion percent more you know they're they're seeing seeing me just again feel like i'm in my element and uh it, it makes me keep going uh they're, they're the reason why i go the reason why i breathe and the reason why i get up every day is for my family you know i, I don't think i'll ever be in a financial place where i can just like hey grandma here's a new house but grandma I can i can work my butt off and, and and try to crush this next race for you you know and and I just do that for my whole entire family every day. Um, and it's, it's it's all we have, you know. It's all we've always had, it's each other, you know. So
1: um, everything I do is for them. Has your grandmother or any other members of your family come out to see you no, in your new home, yeah, of Colorado? Not at
0: all. Like my family don't they don't fly. They don't <laughs> they don't they don't drive long distances, and so it's it gets hard. It, I wish I would love for them to see this beauty here, you know, see snow. Like, I don't think my family's ever even seen snow before, you know, and um, my grandmother, I mean, we've traveled in cars to Las Vegas or to Texas. That's the furthest, right. you know, um, but they haven't. Uh, I really wish it, it would work out, but it probably won't. But again, this makes you cherish it more, you know.
1: Yeah, our families are pretty similar in that way. I mean, my grandmother wouldn't fly. My dad doesn't Like to Fly still hasn't been out to see us at Mm -hmm. our, you know, at our, at our house here. So I, you know, I get that, but um, it also feels good when you go back, right? And you got this, you got this renewed appreciation Mm -hmm. for the place that you're from and the people that, know you better than anyone else and have been there for you your entire life
0: yeah so true and i won't like even like my car i don't think i'll change my california license plates you know just because i'm just you so, still haven't done that i still haven't done it It's just probably bad <laughs> but uh that's just uh i don't think i have too much pride like uh like that stuck up this no, i'm just like i just live and breathe la you know like i haven't changed my id at all it's still california id like i just bleed and love California, because all I know, I know I definitely have to get that changed over at some <laughs> point in time. But that's just how much I love, I love my, love the city, love my city so
1: much, you know. And I just try to live that genuinely every day. Did it take moving away from L.A. for you to realize that you needed to be somewhere else at this point of your life in order to take the next step, personally, professionally, athletically, and otherwise?
0: No, absolutely. There's just there's, I mean, speaking just from my family, there's a stagnant there, you know, like, um, just being transparent, you know, my, a lot of my family still live with my grandmother, you know, just because that's just, I don't want to say it's a norm, but it's a comfort zone, you know, and mm-hmm. a beautiful comfort zone, you No, know? Everyone should, family wise, should always be together, you know, but it's just like I've known, I've seen, and been so accustomed to that for so long and everyone works nine to five, wake up every day and do the same thing over and over. And um, I've just always wanted more of myself. I've never tried to force it, um, but just looking at the opportunities that have come my way and especially with this one, just like, okay, I get to break that that norm, you know, and as daunting and scary as it was, it felt so right. You know, and I know it's not gonna be easy. has it been easy? But um definitely me moving here, I think it, it broke a curse per
1: se. <laughs> you know, and um it's a, it's a great it's a great thing. It's a great thing. What were your first impressions when you arrived in Boulder just after Christmas, two thousand twenty? It was
0: Mario, that was actually the the first interaction I had with a single person when I moved in was I thought, oh like, I'm about to move back home. Like like the next day, I'm, I'm packing myself back up. Like, I'm unpacking. I'm, I'm about to put everything back in my car and drive back to LA because I, I made it here into Boulder. I around, it was like 11 o'clock at night. So I didn't see nobody. It was pitch black. I couldn't even find my door because <laughs> it was so dark. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to sleep and unpack everything in the morning. And um, I go to unpack. I guess my neighbors. Uh, they had it's a pretty large family They're uh, as I accustomed to see, they were always out, you know, working in the, in the garage. And so it's about eight o'clock in the morning. Next day, I'm unpacking my car. Morial was just like, hey, wave to him and say, hey, good morning. They looked at me in my eyes and didn't say a single word. This is the first people I've seen since I again made it. I'm just like, OK. I don't want to be here, <laughs> and that's a tough way to start. I think that would be for anyone, you know, in that kind of situation. I was just like, "All right, I don't know if I like it here already." But I ended up going to Whole Foods uh, later on that evening to pick up some groceries. So many nice people. <laughs> so many everyone was like, people obviously I didn't know, like, "Hey, oh, excuse me, hey, how you doing?" Like multiple times, I was like. I love Boulder instantly, you know, so um it didn't start up too too hot, which wasn't a big deal, but I was grateful to able to see like some some
1: nice uh great energy, you know, later on that day. Have you been able to reconcile with those neighbors? Uh they actually don't want to live here anymore. And
0: I kinda got a high out of them you know, once or twice <laughs> after that, but they don't live here anymore and Um, I still don't know too many neighbors here. here.
1: It's a pretty quiet place. Um, You see people, but everyone's pretty much friendly. I mean, you arrive in Boulder as a black man into a very white town and complete opposite in every way from (laughs) where you grew up. Yeah. yeah. And you clearly recognize that right right away when you got there did it feel like you didn't belong there because of that? For me to have that first instance. Yes.
0: Yeah. I knew it wasn't the truth though. Um, get my grandma racist, not obviously not perfect. And I was, you know, I've experienced racism before. And so being with those situations in back home in LA, I'm not surprised. I knew that coming into it, like I'm, it's not a, African American community here you know I knew it, it, it wasn't going to be peaches and cream you know there's going to be situations and um, so I was already open to it but I didn't think it was going to be the first instance right off the bat yeah. you know so but it did discourage me for a quick sec you know and but I was grateful again for just simply just going to Whole Foods and getting the high and the smile changed
1: everything you know and I thought that hope was all the time. <laughs> One of the things I've always admired about you is you're a pretty like quiet, private, introverted person by nature, but you're also like incredibly magnetic. I mean, people are just oh, wow. attracted to you. I don't know if you feel that when you're like out and about, but where does that come from? Have you ever felt that way about yourself? Uh, I'm not too sure. I mean, I just like to be more
0: keys in a way, you know, I never try to like define it. Uh, I love people. I love community. I love just good energy, you know, and, and you're right. I am a pretty quiet person, you know, and to myself in a, in a good, in a good way. Like I can be in the house all day if I'm not training and be totally fine. But on the backside of it, I do love being around great people. And meeting new people, and and if I meet someone for the first time, they're my they're my good friend. I, you're a friend mm-hmm. to me, you know. And so I, that's just what my grandma was, in, you know instilled in us to really cherish people. And I've just tried to be genuine and genuine with that. And um, just any encounter I have with someone, I just wanted to be special. You never know what someone's going through. We're all going through some kind of great battle. <laughs> some people hide it more than more than others, better than others. And so and i was just trying to think about that. That just I love seeing people smiling. I love I love smiling, you know. So um, I just try to find a way, inten- and not even intentionally, just to bring fresh air you know,
1: into place. You know? To pull on something that you just said right now—that everyone is going through a great battle. What's yeah. the battle that you're fighting right now? Oh, man, uh,
0: that's that, that gets me jitters, Mario. Because I'm currently, I feel like. I'm in a season, a storm of a season currently right now. Um, and uh, it's something that has shaken me up a bit, a bit, quite a bit. <laughs> if that's even, you know, to be understood. Um, but I'm just grateful for the people that I have here. I'm grateful for the people I have at home. I'm grateful for you um, to have the conversations that I've had in such a hard time. Um it's tough. It's very tough. And I'm grateful for it though. Um, I'm grateful for the conversation that I've had and proud of myself uh, for even reaching out for help. You know, I mentally have been going through what feels like a nightmare, you know, just from understanding that it's a lot of trauma that I've dealt with uh, since I was young, you know, and and it, it comes and it comes from places of, you know, Hardship, and so of having to deal with things from hardship, and so that goes to show that you know there's there's trauma in your you know in your life, you know, and um, and for that to hit me in my face recently, um, definitely was hard. Um, But you know, you really realize how important mental health is. You you really you really realize how important friendships are. The people that you can call your friend, and, and they're there for you. You really start to really cherish those things. So, uh, just navigating, just like just like any other person is, you know. And um, and I wear my heart on my sleeve per se. If I'm not okay, I kind of like distance myself. I, I can't, It's hard for me to smile, and and I don't like doing those things, you know. Mm-hmm. And and especially with me not really training right now, uh, dealing with a little bit of an injury, and running is my therapy, you know. And that's how I, I deal with my issues. And I've always. I've dealt with things, but I haven't. I've always just suppressed them. I've always just, you know, put them behind me through hard work and trying to just run my face off, you know, per se. And, um, again, with the situation that I have, I've, been, I've been dealing with, you know, recently it showed that I haven't really been dealing with, you know, issues and problems and, and circumstances. And um, so it, it as, as much as it sucks, um, it feels good to admit it. And to to be working on it, you know, and um, uh, I'm grateful for that. I know there's usually a great unlock for these type of things. It's just about enduring it. Um, so just just being honest and being genuine, and and we all we all need help. Some people again like to admit it. Some people don't. Some people don't need it, you know. Speaking for Marquise Bowden, like you know, um, it feels good to say I, I'm
1: I'm seeking help and and getting help and and pushing for better days, you know. To the degree that you're comfortable with sharing, what are some of the things that have come up for you recently that have been really just weighing heavy on you?
0: Um, man, there's, I wouldn't say it's too many. I'd be too dark to say that's not true. <laughs> I just think there's, um, especially my childhood, you know. Um, that's. I think that's the biggest thing that really, puts a tear in my eye you know i've never i've always again had the best grandmother any person could ever have in family and aunts and uncles and cousins you know to kind of oversettle that you know um it, like i always can just go to the point of, like i i could come home from school and it would just be me you know it would never be hey how was your day hey and that's that right there alone is powerful that's how you're able to express yourself and I never had that in my entire childhood, you know, I, at all. <laughs> and so, again, with my mom being away, with uh, my grandma working long hours and not having a father, you know, it was just myself, you know. And, and so it's, um it's moments and times where that that proven to have been tough. And it's coming up, and I'm, I'm 30, you know. And I've never dealt with those things. I remember growing up, my mom coming home coming to to visit from Texas, she never came, you know, she never came. And I've had to deal with, I have to deal with that, that frustration that hurt. I didn't think it hurt me at the time, but I've had to deal with that. I've I've had things like that sit on me for (laughs) a long time, 20 20 plus years, you know, and so um, things like that uh, and just dealing with confrontation, uh, frustration, dealing with rejection, dealing with, All that comes from your childhood, per se, obviously, adulthood as well. And when you don't deal with those things, that pain and that hurt, it's going to come up again and at at a different frequency, you know, at a different pain of hurt. So I thought I've dealt with those things. I just haven't, you know, and not on purpose, but, you know, just no one wants to feel pain and hurt. So you're just like, okay, let me just move on. You know, then once things get happy again, you forget about it. You know, but once, obviously, uh, time of pain, time of hurt, you know, it just brings you right back
1: up. Yeah. You can only suppress things for so long before they ultimately just, like, blow the top off. And then, you know, you've got to figure out, like, all right, how am I going to, you know, how am I going to deal with this, yeah. this mess for real this Absolutely. Time. In your case, when or how did you finally come to the realization that you needed to reach out for help and not try and deal with it just yourself? It, it came through a conversation
0: I was having and for someone to say, hey, you haven't dealt with your trauma. And then when once that comes up and it, everything kind of gets slow around you, and it was just a thought. And then I could just I just thought about that every day, every day. You know? And I'm just like, it's so true. I haven't dealt with this. I haven't dealt with that. I haven't X, Y, and Z. And it, it bothers you, you know, and, and then from there, from already thinking about all of that, and then again, things, different situations coming up. And so it just becomes a big pile of mess, you know, and, um, and it's hard, it was hard, it's been hard for me to, to break, that, break those things down and to, you know, push past them. Um, but again, I'm getting there and I'm, I'm happy and grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, no, it's, it's going to be a journey, it's going to take some time. You know, and I'm just all about, I just want to be happy. I want to have mental peace, mental clarity, and I just want to thrive, you know, and, and just be be amazing in this world and, and to other people. And that's no way I can do that if I'm mentally not in a good place. I'm not good in my own self, in my own skin, you know, and so it makes you think, and makes you, you know, take a couple steps back.
1: You mentioned how you're a little injured right now and just haven't been able to train. Do you think, just do a little experiment here, if you were fully healthy right now and training full bore in running like you have in years past, that you would just continue to suppress a lot of this stuff and not deal with it because that's your or has been your way of just kind of dealing with it yourself in the yep. past few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah more in this in
0: this it's all I've had, you know, and to, if, I, if I wasn't injured right now, again, it would just be me suppressing things. At some point in time, these things are going to come up, you know, there's no way around it, you know. That's how life, it's how life is, it's how things come up, things happen, and, and I'm happy that this is happening. It gives me an opportunity, a chance to get better as a person, you know, so I can be loving to others and caring for others, but it starts with myself. There's no way I can... Become a better runner. There's no way I can become a better person, you know, better husband, or you know, to to someone one day, or better friend, you know, better coach or coworker X, Y, and Z. If if I'm not right within, so um, just having conversations with my grandmother, you know, and um, she doesn't know I'm going through these things, <laughs> you know. But um, she just having conversations with her takes me back to to things she's instilled in us to never things are never going to be convenient for you you know you have to work through it you have to get through it and that's how my whole life has been you know it's just been a grind it's always i've always had to work a little bit harder and i'm grateful for that because it's, it's built a chip on my shoulder it's built this this big thing where i just don't take nothing for granted i don't take i don't take people for granted i don't take being able to walk outside and dust my shoes off for granted, you know, like I don't like, or even just lace my shoes up to go run. I don't take any of that for granted because I know that life's hard and things are hard, you know? So, um, I just try to continue to try
1: to be the, the, best, the best version of myself, you know, even through the hard times, never perfect. And that's something that I've always respected about you in the time that I've known you is, is you are from what I could tell continually on this path of trying to improve yourself in, Mm -hmm. in every way. Um, And also giving yourself the grace to fail every once in a while and realizing like, you'll never get it perfect, but you'll try to do better the next day. And I mean, there's some heavy stuff that we're talking about here, but I appreciate you opening up in that way and sharing that with me and my listeners. Cause I think to the point you made earlier, I know actually, there are a lot of people listening to this who have their own version of that story you know absolutely, something absolutely. that they are, are wrestling with something that you know has just been boiling under the surface for a while that you know they've suppressed they haven't dealt with and and i'm hopeful that this conversation or someone listening to this conversation will now take the step that they need to in order to get the help yeah. to improve themselves and the situation that they're in
0: yeah absolutely bro it's, it is it was a lot for myself you know um i'll Growing up, I only have to just keep things inside for so long. And that's my coping mechanism. And it's not healthy to do that, you know? And again, I was really proud to admit I needed help. And that opened up a huge door to just saying, man, I need. They you got know, Yeah, yeah. And then once I did that, hey, I know this person. Hey, I know this person. And, you, and nothing of that of would have never came if I didn't say anything. And. And um, it's, again, it was at a dark, dark place. And again, just a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, where I just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's scary, you know. And um, but it's—it's it's, it's great. It's great to know again, like what my grandma says: we can't do this thing alone. We can't do this thing called life alone. If anyone, they can do things alone. I don't. I personally don't agree with that. That's just my opinion. I just, everything shows that we all need each other. Every single one of us need each other and we go further with other people. So I'm forever
1: grateful for all the friendships I have. To go a little further down this road, you have embedded yourself in the running and cycling communities in Boulder and those communities have embraced you as one of their own. How crucial has that role of community been for you one generally in the time that you've been living in Colorado but also just more recently as you've been navigating a lot of this difficult stuff that you just described and it's it's been
0: so special like I love my teammates my teammates are sick (laughs) they're great people who are who are all trying to just get better you know and they just have been just the, the bright lights, you know, and again there's so many people, especially in the cycling community as well, where hey, just look at a ride. People don't understand just the powerful words and that, hey, let's just go ride some riding the balance a little bit. It's so therapeutic. Um but
1: my teammates, you know, they're they mean everything to me. Mean a lot to me. How did you find your teammates? I know the answer to this question, so yeah. I'm kind of just like <laughs> setting this one up for the listeners, but you mentioned Brian Schroy earlier, who I introduced you to when you moved out there. And like you said, he's your brother. You guys are also training partners and you've just fallen in with the crew that he's been a part of for a while now, but take me, take me through those steps because you had a coach back in la you had pockets of communities and teams that you belonged to there but you had a completely blank slate when you moved out to colorado and needed to figure things out for yourself yeah, yeah it was uh, it's
0: again anyone who knows me knows that b is has a special place him and his family again his wife Erin, they have a special place in my heart just how they welcomed me so much but to To back up, to back from, to start from, back from that, just welcome me, you know, with welcome arms, you know, and never force anything. Because again, like you mentioned, I did have another coach, Omar Gonzalez, and um, it was tough because I was always doing my own workouts, and I you know, obviously still around with the team and and um, just through time, you know, just being around them and 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 sharing mouths with them. I'm just like, this is the group for me. This is the group for me. You know, and I knew it right away, but I wanted to obviously respect the loyalty with being coached by Omar, you know, and, but also knowing again going back, like you can't do anything by yourself, you know, and, and just seeing this team and, and Coach Matt look, allowing me to come in and not even, me, I would never want to interfere with no one or, or be disruption or I've always had to make sure I was on the back background, you know, and Coach Matt was always welcoming. You know, I'm like, oh, this is sick. You know, this is amazing. And and the time came where I made a tough decision, you know, and reached out to Coach reached out to Coach Omar and he understood right away and that's the kind of relationship I'm so happy that me and him had have and had. Um, dude, you're around a team, you know, go for that. You know, I'm here for you still. And so I appreciate him and love him so much for that, you know, because I was scared, honestly, like Omar's been there for me and, and helped me get to where, you know, I was at the moment, you know, and a lot of it wouldn't be without Coach Omar and him believing in me and coach, you know, his coaching and his style and the things we've been through. We've been through a lot, we went through a lot, you know, and he was there for me. So it was a special thing that we had, you know, but I knew the tough decision was the right decision, to be, to join Boulder Underground and, and it's a decision I would never, ever go back on. And I'm so grateful to be a part of this team, you know, and I just want to be a good teammate.
1: To zoom out a little bit further. One thing I, I've wanted to ask you about, but haven't is just athletic identity. So you are a sub elite runner. You have big goals. in the sport. It's not your first sport. You were a basketball player. We talked all about that last time we had the podcast. You're also one hell of a cyclist. And you were splitting (laughs) your time between those two sports, certainly when you were in LA and even while you're in Boulder. How do you think about your athletic identity and how you divide just your attention and your energy when it comes to chasing your goals in running, but also whatever goals you might have on the bike? Yeah, it's 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 definitely tough. Um, but I'm so grateful
0: and I know that the two go together, but they don't go together. You yeah. know. Um, and when I first moved here I was kinda still I was kinda still cycling a little bit a lot then, but also obviously still running. Um, but I got so curious, I was like, I wanna have like a little little mini cycle cycle season, you know. So I was literally preparing for Chicago Marathon in full fledged having a cycle season, you know, I had a cycling coach and I had coach Omar at the time. So I was literally <laughs> at least splitting at least eight hours on the bike. And it was almost nine hours in running. So it was a lot on the mind and body, but I felt so at peace. Um, but it's definitely tough. <laughs> it's definitely tough. And I don't think it's sustainable. So I definitely have to choose um, one or the other. I Especially just love, at the level that you're trying to do it at. Too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's still so doable not to be, you know, you know, going back and forth hot and cold, you know. Um, but I, I'm now on forward. I'm thinking about, hey, just running a nice marathon in, in the winter, spring, running a nice marathon in the fall and having cycling in the middle. And That's doable, you know. Um, so. I'm at that at that place right now, but just being again that I'm injured is currently like, hey, just spend a lot of time on a bike and just try to get some fitness and slingshot right back into running. But once I'm locked into running, I I just want to be locked into running. Uh, and but it's hard because I love being in the mountains. I love riding my bike and
1: it's um it's so therapeutic, so peaceful. When you got to Boulder, did your competitive perspective on the goals that you wanted to pursue in both running and cycling shift, or were they the same as they were when you were living in LA? Uh, I think the same, you know, back in LA, I I never had thoughts of racing. I've always had the thoughts, but I never
0: would think it would be possible but when I moved here to Boulder, it was like, oh shoot, let's let's try to race a, a bike. Let's try to race a bike and just see. You know, don't have any high lefty goal. goals. So let's just see what we can do. And with running, I just want to just get better each each cycle. You know, I, I'm I'm not for myself. I'm not one of those people where I'm just trying to crush souls and and rip. You know, rip everything. I just want to enjoy the process and. Just get better even if if it's one millisecond, you know, or I just want to apply myself and and I take pride in that and just really just giving everything I have every day every single day, nothing less of it, nothing perfect, I'm far from perfect, but I just try to be you know be loyal
1: you know to the sport to you know and to give everything I can do you lean one way or the other as far as like where you get tugged in terms of? chasing those goals or are you pretty at peace with the way that you're dividing up your year between the two sports? Yeah,
0: pretty, pretty, pretty at peace. I know running is definitely my big, it's my goal. Like that's my everything. I just love cycling. I love the community that has welcomed me, you know, with open arms and I'm just trying to honor it and just try to really be good on the bike too, on a, on a minimal level. You know, I, I know I won't be no pro. I won't be, you know, no big you know no no big time rider i just want to just be good at it and and ride with the best and it, it just i think just having that mindset has given me the the path that i'm on now and i don't you know i just like riding my bike and love sharing it with people and
1: i just really again just want to be good at it not nothing crazy <laughs> since you've been living in colorado you've raced a few times most recently you ran personal best, Boston Marathon, 240.07. You raced New York last fall. You raced Chicago Marathon before that. Before Boston this year, you ran New York City Half, which is a tough course. You ran 37 there. So like on paper, you've definitely improved from what you were doing since we last talked a few years ago. But in what ways have you grown as an athlete since moving out to Colorado? Oh, hugely. Um, mainly in the sense of, what it, what it takes because
0: um, you, you see it every day, you know, like you can, it can be out running. You can see a Noah Dradi, you can see, and a guy, you can see even just with them, even in my team, there's so many great runners in my team and you start seeing what it takes and you like, you just want to just mirror that, you know, obviously everyone's path is different, but it takes a lot of t- you putting a lot of time and effort. And so, for the Boston buildup, only thing I asked of myself, you know, was to uh, really put the time in like I never have before. And I feel like before I put in a lot of time, uh, but here I wanted to be uh, take it to another level. You know, so I ran more mileage, um, doubled more. And um, I just know with that and being consistent, it's going to take you to a good place. Um, but um, there's a lot of things I want to do better but I learned a lot from the Boston buildup and I was so proud of myself, you know, to, to run it the way that I was able to run it, especially with, you know, unforeseen, you know, circumstances with dealing with a posterior tip. Um, I was so happy (laughs) because I know what I, what I, what I, what I put into that buildup And um, every day I just put, I just tell myself, man, just, just get up, just get up and do what's on the training schedule, do what you can, do what you're supposed to do. That's it. You know, and, it was never convenient. It was winter storm, winter blizzards, and running in that, in that, those type of terrain, that type of terrain, that type of conditions. Any most most people were probably like, no, nah, I ain't going out," you know. Like, <laughs> I just tell myself, "Just just go, just go and get it done."
1: Do you think it hardened you up a little bit coming from L.A. Never dealing with a real winter before?
0: <sighs> I know why it did, you know. And back in L.A., I was always running at five in the morning. You know, in here, I was, I'm still running at five in the morning most days, some days. And um, but the weather obviously night and day different. And but I enjoy it though. It's 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 pretty weird. I enjoy it, but it definitely definitely did put a little chip on my shoulder knowing that hey, I've ran in negative such and such degree weather, and yeah. we can get through, we can get through this. You know, and um, it was definitely hard. That's why I love like. Like Matt Meyer, my guy, dude, will run his face off. You know, and Matt Meyer will always say, "I haven't run in trouble in three years." And Matt Meyer, will be like, hey, you want to go run? It's negative fourteen outside, and I ended up getting um, frostbite on my nose one day from from a twenty mile run, and and uh, I'll never forget it. And just saying things, just things like that, it just goes to show like it's all worth it, even though it's tough. <laughs> It's maybe not the smartest thing to be doing, but we just love that we just love the grind here, and I, I'm taking that on every day from getting my teammates and people who I've gratefully able to cross paths with who just love to run.
1: Yeah, I, I love I love hearing that, and I do think having teammates that you're accountable to and you're going to meet oh, yeah. really helps on those on those hard days. But as someone who did the opposite of you, went from East Coast where we have very miserable winters all the way to the West Coast where it's really never that bad here i mean i like to think i've retained some of that yeah. but i've definitely softened up a little bit i think my <laughs> i think my blood's thinned some since moving to oh. california because now you know i'll, I'll even be like oh it's, it's raining a little bit i'll wait an hour till it till it stops whereas when i lived in massachusetts it's just like nope ain't getting any better gotta go mm-hmm. gotta, gotta, gotta go, go gotta get it done
0: yeah like that's that's the mindset I, i've tried to just somewhat have again like just say hey, it. I'd rather do it now than later. I'd rather just get it get it done. Just be able to we'll muster through it. You know? But I'm always cold. People know like i it would be eighty degrees. I'll have a beanie on. Just that's just the LA in me, you know. Like <laughs> now, I have this puffy jacket that has holes in it that I just would. i just refuse to throw away because I just love feeling warm. <laughs> you know, I'm always cold. But um, LA is going to always be in me, especially the weather.
1: <laughs> Last time we talked for the podcast. You had just run a virtual Boston Marathon back in California because the race had been canceled that year. That was the first time you'd qualified. Fast forward to earlier this year, 2022, you got to go to Boston for the first time. What was the experience like for you, both the race itself, the 26.2 miles from Hopkinton to Boston, but the entirety of the weekend being in the city Uh, and around all of that?
0: Special, and it's even better when you have a friend and be sure who's fr- who's from there and knows everybody and knows everything about you know that that part of the that part that state and uh, and gratefully him, his family welcomed me with welcome arms and gave me the, the great you know Wellesley Boston experience and I'm so grateful for that and um uh, from flying into into Boston to leaving it was unforgettable unforgettable and i know a lot of it my mind was on my on my injury you know a lot so maybe it took a little bit from it because i was was constantly thinking about it but i was still making sure i was present you know um but unforgettable weekend unforgettable weekend from the great food from the scenery the the aesthetics of of wellesley and boston the energy is crazy going, seeing you at the Boston house and I mean, at the track house, uh, tracksmith track house. And
1: it's wild. It's wild. (laughs) It's so wild. I, I got to ask you this as a first time Boston marathoner, but what was your favorite moment out on the course? So many,
0: (laughs) so many, uh, what's the section where the college, uh, the college girls are? Wellesley, <laughs> Wellesley, and just going scream
1: through scream tunnel,
0: screaming like I was literally like had to like shake my head, but the energy going through there was crazy. Like I just remember putting my hand out and it felt like at least fifteen miles of me just clapping people's hands. I saw yeah, high five, but it was just crazy, like so amazing. But I think the entire course, the entire course is special. I I remember every every step. I remember every step of it. And but definitely going through <laughs> that college part of it, I and mean, that that time I screamed on the Wellesley was was pretty epic because it was just so loud, so loud. And um, but getting on top of uh, Heartbreak Hill and seeing uh, all my people from LA, that gave me a different a different pep in my step, you know? Because the entire race, I, I could feel my posterior tip, the entire race, and I was hurting. I tried not to show it, but I was hurting. Um, I don't know how I got through that race, Mario, but I was in so much pain, but felt so good. And to get to top of the heartbreak and see Marvin and, and all the good vibes, and, and just a, numerous run crews on top of that, hill the energy was just crazy and that brought me back to life. I was hurting at that point where just in general, just from marathon, you know, you just, you just want to finish. But I was just so, I was, I had a permanent smile on my face, you know, and maybe it was more inside (laughs) because I was hurting uh, uh, externally, but
1: the entire race was beautiful. What was it like to realize this goal that you had had since you started running competitively, I mean, really not that long ago. I mean, absolutely. you had qualified for it years before, didn't have the opportunity because mm-hmm. of COVID, but then yeah. like finally got it. Did you have to pinch yourself at any point of the week and be like, I'm here, like I am i made it, like this was what I was working for for so long.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I went out for, when I landed a uh, ride to Brian's house and I went out for a, sh- for a little shakeout run just to see how I get how my posterior tip was feeling. Um, Even I was just like, in Boston, even though I didn't to really understand how the, the, the mapping of, of, of Boston is like, I wasn't in Boston, but I was still saying I'm in Boston, but I'm in Wellesley. (laughs) I thought it was all one place, but um, I had, I did. Scream out loud, like I'm in Boston. Like it was pretty crazy. It was pretty crazy to feel. Granted, it was no one around me, they didn't hear it, but <laughs> I did scream out, I'm in Boston, you know? Like it, it was surreal, um, unforgettable, literally unforgettable. So finally, I made it, you know, and it, it felt right. It felt right being there. I knew it was going to be a special day, even though, with even with the circumstances, I could have ran four hours, I would have been like, it's going to be a special day. You know, I know I was fit and ready to go, um, was hoping to go, like mid to 30s. But I, I didn't put no time on my on, on me. I was like, I just want to go out here and just run, run hard and run, run with my heart. And I did that and came out with a, with, a, with a PR.
1: So, special. You mentioned your posterior tib, the remnants of that injury you're still kind of dealing with now. It's been really frustrating for you for the last few months. Rewind into when we last talked for the podcast, October 2020. I mean, you've just had like niggle after niggle kind of like pop up like every seemingly like every, you know, few months. And you haven't been doing this for that long when we really like zoom out. How has it been for you just riding this roller coaster of injury and getting really, really Fit, have an incredible experience, but then to just get punched in the gut and not be able to do it for a few days to a few months. Yeah, it's uh, it takes a toll, um, and that's the thing, Mario. As we know, like it's always been some type of
0: trial. It's always been something in the way, and and the inju- I've only had the same injuries, you know, and it's always been posterior tip. It's always or it's been an IT band or some kind of calf. So. I'm at a point where let's fix this and let's put this behind us and let's get better. You know, so I'm just trying to angle it with that kind of, with that kind of, uh, with that kind of perspective, you know, and, uh, let's look at this as a a blessing in disguise. And that's how I've looked at everything that's kind of came my way, you know, and just look at it as opportunity. And sometimes it's hard to do that. Very, very much so, you know, but always come back to that. And that's what got me where I am is just being, optimistic and just being grateful you know and so now i'm just like okay let it we got a plan let's execute the plan and just get back and let's just get fit and do it all over again you know and just see what we can do you know and i can't wait you know for what's ahead and and cim is a big race on the schedule and i could i i I get so teary-eyed because i'm like i can i can admit i can see something great you know there you know and and i don't want to spoil that 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 happiness and joy. So I'm like, let me just stay in the moment and just make sure, uh, again, I do everything that I can. And that's all
1: I can ask for myself. Do you struggle to stay present Um, in the moment? I do. i go back and forth with it because uh, when you
0: look like for me, when I look ahead, I get happy, you know? And, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to be let down. I don't think no one wants to be let down. And so I always kind of snap back to just being in the moment, but still have my thoughts of what's to come and be excited about it. Cause I think that's what helps us to keep going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but there's also, I don't know if you ever felt this while you're running, you know, like you think about a thought or a race and your pace picks up. All the time. It, you know, so that's when I know something great's happening for me. That's just for my, that's just for for myself. Like, and I have that feeling continuously, I'm like, okay, I have that going into Boston. I can be thinking about the race and just envisioning it, and my pace will just naturally pick up. And I just use that as a gauge, like, okay, good. Okay, we're good. You know? and, and I think about that for what's ahead. I'm just like, okay, but I know that I have to stay right now and in right now and just make sure I do, it, do what I can, and, and the race will be special. you know? No matter what, it goes good or bad.
1: When I had you on the podcast a couple years ago, it was because I had seen you in this film that Tracksmith did called Race Day is Still Sacred. You were on, I think, the Rambling Runner podcast. Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to talk to this guy. We talked for the podcast and we've become good friends since we talk every few weeks on the phone it's been awesome for me to just see the trajectory of not only your your running career but just your life and kind of where things have taken you and one of the things or few things that have happened since then is you've had like just more opportunities to tell your story on different podcasts or different outlets but also partnering with different brands in both cycling and running. I mean, you're doing a photo shoot for Rafa later this afternoon and I don't know if it was earlier this year or end of last year but you were signed by Solomon as one of their athletes and you've been representing them for this year. When you think about those opportunities, what does that bring up for you? It blows my mind for one <laughs> cuz I
0: I I was always early on. I was in a place like, like, for example, I can have a, I, I can have a friend or or a teammate and knowing that looking at their times that they're running and they're not signed, you know, and they're not having opportunities. And I would never think I was, I will always think that, how do I deserve this? You know, like I'm not running these fast times. I'm not X, Y, and Z. And, and that would kind of be like a little buzzkill, <laughs> you, you know? And, um, but everything that I've done, and again, it's, I'm just honoring my heart and, and the opportunities like this have come. I've just like, through conversation uh, with my family, with conversation with friends like Marquise, like these things are meant for you for a reason. You, you deserve this, you know? And I have to really accept that and I can't compare myself. And uh, Coach Matt or Coach here in Boulder, he says like, comparisons uh, us to the thief to all joy. And you can't compare yourself. And granted, I, I want—I will hope everyone. I want everyone to win. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, you know, I want us all to win. Um, but I'm just grateful uh, for the opportunity to be running for Solomon this year. They've welcomed me with open arms, and it's, its it's it blows my mind. You know, so. It's, I'm excited to see what's ahead and, and cycling wise, riding for Rafa, you know, riding uh, for Park and things like that. It's
1: like it's a it's a beautiful thing that I'm just very very grateful for. I mean, your story has gotten out there over the last few years through this podcast, other podcasts. Um, Solomon had that really sweet video that they did yeah, of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just a few months ago, which just like gave me goosebumps and not just because it was like snowing outside, but like more people in running, even though you're not a a professional elite athlete have gotten to know who Marquise Bowden is. Mm -hmm. What's some of the feedback been like from people who have heard your story, whether they're people you grew up with in LA, someone who is living in another city and maybe sees a little bit of themselves, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. in your story or people that you've, you know, met since you've moved out to Colorado. Like I'm, I'm interested in like what you've, you've heard from people who have heard your story.
0: Yeah. It's um, it's something I don't take lightly, especially the messages that do come through. I'm not going to say it's a lot. I'm not going to say it's a little, um, but the ones that do come through, it's always, thank you for sharing your story thank you for you being who you are and stuff like that keeps you going you know and it, and it and it helps to know that it's helping somebody even if it's just one person you know from sharing just from sharing the story and um it's genuine it's so genuine it, and it's so it's, it leaves me speechless a lot you know and um it, has, it helps me to keep going just to help again to help them to think that you know, we're all trying to get to just one, get to a place where it's just a better version of ourselves. We're trying to get to a better version of ourselves. And um, it's just for myself, it's been through a lot, you know, uh, as a lot of people have been going through a lot, you know, we're all going, again, we're all going through something. So if it's a way that we can encourage each other, uh, it's been, it's been amazing to get that encouragement right back to saying, just by someone just saying, thank you for sharing your story and thank you for just being who you are. So I don't, t- I don't take it lightly, you know, and it's, it's been it's been awesome. It's been amazing that the support's been it wild, especially after Boston. I'm just like, I love I love this community. I try to say, I say it as much as I can because <laughs> I genuinely, genuinely, really do. You know, and just seeing where I've come from and and how far I've come, I don't take it lightly. And and we're trying to get to a whole another unlock that some some in some people's eyes looks seems impossible. Trying to run, you know, under two nineteen, you know, and. I just know it's going to take a whole other level of myself, you know. And I just, like, I, I have it written down right in front of me. Just believe in yourself, and you can do it, you know. So I'm just trying to get, th- get to what seems impossible,
1: and just believing in myself and knowing I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. On paper, that's a big jump from where you are right now. How do you compartmentalize it or break it down? I should say, so that it doesn't seem so daunting. I mean, you're obviously well aware of how monumental of a task it is to go from like 240 where you're at to 219. But, you know, I I mean, I know you as a person, as an athlete, I know you have that kind of ability. You know, you have that kind of ability. How How do you break it down into more manageable chunks so that one, it doesn't overwhelm you and two, that you don't have you know, just, just that, this one thing, like qualify for the Olympic trials uh, is success and anything that's not that is failure.
0: Yeah, um, it comes to, for me, it, it's knowing that it's a process, you know, and at the end of the day, whatever you put into it, you're going to get out of it. That doesn't equate to me getting it, you know, me hitting that time. But I just tell my, again, as I already said, just giving my everything, giving my all to it, you know, to the sport, but I I did I did write down some times uh, to try to hit by each by by the end of each year to break it down and and it's all by five minute increments and so I guess it still gets me two and a half years so hopefully by the end of this year I can I was hoping to be you know in that two thirty range already I just haven't hit the day just hasn't come for me yet um, but I believe and know that if I can get in the two thirty range uh in I, see I am this year. It would set me up to try to hopefully try to go at least, you know, 220, 225, 229 next year and then keep breaking it down from there, you know. So I just try to think about that without putting that pressure on myself. Um, but understand that, you know, where we're trying to get to is around the corner, <laughs> you know. So I just try to just say I just want to make a marginal gain. So I'm trying to make a marginal gain this race this year. And just keep, you know, try to hopefully bring in that time down. And I just, I'm just angling it that way. And I think that's the best thing that works for myself. So I don't panic and don't get overwhelmed. Um, and again, if it doesn't happen, I'm, I've already made rest with that, peace with that. You know, all I can do is try. Um, and I'm
1: giving my, everything I can to, you know, to get there. I love that perspective, and I think it's important for all of us as runners to know that no one race defines us and what we do on one day. I mean, all that means is that's where we were on, on that day. It's not indicative of, you know, who we are as a person or even what kind of like shape we were in leading into that. I was just listening to this podcast with Kira D'Amato, American record holder in the marathon she was talking about her progress over the past few years. I mean, she just ran 219 and change earlier this year to break Dina Castor's American record. And it was only, you know, two years ago that she was running 234 or whatever it was. And she talked about how she had taken a couple swings at the marathon and she'd run like 234, but she knew going into it that she was in sub 230 shape. And she had one where she knew she was in like 225, 226 shape. And, you know, she ran 230. That's just where she was on the day, whether it was like weather conditions or she just felt off or, you know, whatever, whatever it happened to be. And I, I was like, that's such good perspective because I think a lot of us as, as runners, like we, we run the race and we say, well, I'm a 240 guy right or i'm a i'm a 235 guy um and the way that she described it she was like you know i knew i was a two you know this before she broke the american record she's like i knew i was a 226 girl i just hadn't done it yet um and i i i hear you speaking and i'm like you're a guy who knows he's a sub 219 guy just hasn't happened yet um and Mm -hmm. you're going to continue working on it like you know piece by piece and you know, have the right perspective that if you, you don't get there by this, like, you know, deadline or whatever, it's not going to defeat you, um, but you're just going to keep working to see how good you can be. And I yeah. think that's a beautiful thing. Thank you, Mario.
0: And it's, it's for me, that's just, that works best, <laughs> you know, because uh, we know how hard this sport is. It's it's not easy. You know, it's, it takes a lot out of you. And I just have so much respect and love for the sport, it's just for the sport. And um, I just wanted it to be, more than that, you know, um, just, again, it, it means a lot to me. And I just want to, again, give my best, the best that I can, but also knowing that it's going to take a di- different level of yourself each time. And and I'm hoping to, to be able to say I'm a 230 guy, you know, by the end of this year, you know, And but I know that even then it's going to, it's going to keep requiring more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And I just want to keep uh, just, bringing, just bringing love and bringing uh, a, hopefully a smile to the sport you know cuz it's, it's hard it's very hard it's very hard and taxing and um just trying to get there
1: really want to get there who inspires you on a daily basis to be best version of yourself uh it's going to always be my grandma
0: um every single day but just knowing that what she's what she endured and what she's going through currently especially with her health um it's my grandmother You know, and Nipsey Hussle, (laughs) who's a rapper from L.A., you know, those, those two people, you know, I, I look up to, you know, I really look up to, but I just want to just really be, I just say I want to be savage in the sport. I really want to be savage, not be some, you know, I just want to be savage and just be good and, um, and just, again, just want to keep, just want to keep going. I keep going
1: and happy when <laughs> you want to be happy. let's dig into that a little bit deeper. What do you mean when you say you want to be savage in this sport? Uh, like I've actually never put it into words that's pretty that's pretty crazy um,
0: but when I say that, I'm seeing it as just on the bare as surface level as it is is be just really be good. I just really want to be good at it and um at the same time to the best I can be, you know, and so when someone sees. See some They're like, okay, you know, <laughs> it's gonna be some, it's gonna be some heat out there, yeah, per se. But you know, I'm at the end of the day, I just go out there and try to run my own race. But on a bigger scale of it, I just want to be really good. I want to be really good in the sport, but for the community and, and for people around me, you know. And uh, I look at it like that in a sense, not to be in competition with nobody. There's so many freaking phenomenal runners, whether whether you're fast or not. There's so many amazing people. Uh, I just want to be known for just being, uh, bringing some genuine, genuineness, you know, and some, some
1: love to the sport. To pivot the conversation a bit in the time that you've lived in Colorado, you have worked for the same cycling company. You've been in that industry now for, I think almost exactly 18 months as of this conversation. How has that shift opened your eyes to professional pursuits? I mean, you're approaching your mid thirties here soon. Um, You've been in this position for a year and a half. You're living in a new place. Like what's the outlook on the professional side of things for you? How do you feel about where you're at in your career and where do you hope to take it in the coming years?
0: I feel I feel good about it. Um the opportunities are coming and I have come to where I've getting more on a community side where I'm obviously working with people and I love people. <laughs> I love just helping. I love just just just, just trying to be a helping hand. And so as long as I'm doing that I'm fulfilled, you know, and, and just being a part of a team that that wants to see each other win, you know, and so I have that here at Hunt and I'm grateful for that. And, um, I'm, I'm good. I'm great. You know, I'm very simple. I don't need much. Um, I just want to make sure, um, I'm feeling, living my, living my purpose. And I I feel like that is with through people, you know, and helping people and, and, and just
1: trying to be a blessing uh, to others. I haven't connected these dots until now, but your athletic background is in basketball team sport. Running gets Mm -hmm. a reputation as something that most people do by themselves. Um, You know, the old saying goes, loneliness of the long distance runner. But you have always been a part of a team or a group. I mean, even going back to... When you lived in LA, but before you were a competitive runner, you joined Blacklist LA and were part of that that group and that community. And then Good Vibes track club. And since you've come out to Colorado on the running side of things, Boulder Underground, and you were just talking about professionally, like the team that you're a part of at Hunt. I never really had kind of like connected those dots till now, but you're very much a, a team player. Like you thrive in that environment i mean like you said you you like to just if you're not training like you can hang around the house like all day but when you're pursuing stuff that you care about you're never alone you're always surrounding yourself with people that you're making better and are also making you better in the process yeah it's
0: it's the only thing i know on this team (laughs) it's so true i never even put the pieces together either but it's i'll run through a waffle for my teammates any day you know and and if there's ever anything I could do, I will go all my way to help my teammates, and I try to do that even in workouts and um, even just in general, you know. And I just I just love helping, and that's what that's what makes me feel purpose, knowing that I can help someone else, and vice versa, someone helping me. Like I'm always appreciative. Anyone does anything, like I can drop a piece of paper and someone pick it. I'm super appreciative. That's just how I really genuinely am, you know. So I just try to live live with that, live through that, and live in that and try to be that every day, you know, but I love, I love, love being a part of teams and I love get my teammates here and, and just want to help, you know, cause I know it's, it's going to help us go further in every way.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that attitude and those actions rub off on the people around you, you know, you make those teams stronger, whether it's running, whether it's when you're at work or even in, you know, your, your social circles. I mean, I remember, uh, did you send me or maybe it was Shroy you sent me like photos it was like your you know it was your birthday you know and yeah. you went out on yeah. this big ride and it was like you weren't by yourself you, oh, you, so and you were with like one or two other people like you had a whole squad like come out and celebrate birthday with you so it's like it's clearly like you know just that you know that attitude rubs off on the, on the people around you and back to what I was saying earlier about just like that magnetic personality like they they want to be around you and like you make each other Better in that way. I think that's really Thank special. You. Thank you, Ma. I Appreciate that. And I take I take nothing for granted. I love,
0: love my people, you know, and I try to love on them hard, and
1: um, just try to get every day. Just do what I can. To wrap this one up, I was thinking what direction I I wanted to go with it. A common question I ask people is like, what's exciting them most in running right now? I've asked people why they run and I was like, I could ask you like either one of those questions, but I guess what I'm, I'm most interested in is what's getting you Marquise Bowden out of bed every morning. Hmm. Knowing how great I can be
0: and I haven't hit it yet. So it's like, I continue want to get there. Like I'm not complacent. You know, and I just every day what gets me up is just wanting to, wanting to be better in the smallest of ways. But it's also my family. I would never turn a cheek to that. My family, I just want them to be I want to make them proud. I want to make them have them to be happy, you know, for them to see that the direction that I decided to take with my life is worth it. You know, and it's making me happy, even though it's been some challenges here, Um, which, you know, it's, it was just going to be a given. But I'm trying to endure through it all. But wanting to be, you know, wanting to, wanting to be great, and my family is definitely gets me out the out the, out the door every single day, every single day. And and again, again, it's never, it's never easy. And um, but no matter what,
1: I I always come back to those two things. All right, one, I lied. One last question. <laughs> one last question before. We wrap this one up. You talked earlier about how that change of scenery that you had since you were last on the podcast, moving from LA to Boulder has just opened up your eyes to a lot of things. As we talk today in mid-June and you look ahead, what do you hope the future holds for Marquise Bowden? Being present
0: not not just saying that i'm not happy but true happiness to where it's not unwavering it doesn't it's just consistent happiness and joy and peace um that's why i'm hoping that the future holds um again there's been a lot of hardship but i know through those things come come great things you know you can't just go through a whole bunch of bad and not be in the good and not come so um i think for myself just feeling genuine happiness and joy uh, in life, nothing perfect, but just genuine happiness and joy. Uh, that's unbreakable. And right now <laughs> it's been, it's been up and down, um, but I can admit that. And, and to know that where I'm trying to get to, it's, 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 it, it lies a bigger, a bigger feat. And I know that's going to be special. Um, and, uh, I'm grateful for where I'm at right now,
1: uh, but I'm looking forward to some happiness and joy and peace. Well, I'm incredibly proud of you, brother. I'm grateful for our friendship. And it was a real pleasure to have you back on the Morning Shakeout podcast. Oh, well, Sam here, man.
0: You, you have no idea. You have no idea. This means everything to me. Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, that'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Also, a big thank you to New Balance for help making it possible. If you're looking for a workhorse to run most of your miles in, look no further than the Fresh Foam X 1080 V12. This shoe has the perfect blend of cushioning and responsiveness. It's lightweight, it transitions smoothly, it has the most streamlined fit to accommodate a wide variety of foot types, and it holds up to heavy mileage week in and week out. The Fresh Foam X1080 V12 is available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out as always to my man, John Summerford. He's produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to my right-hand man, Chris Douglas, for handling sponsorship sales and various other duties, and Jeffrey Stern for managing the AM ShakeOut social media accounts. I don't have a big team here at The Morning Shakeout, but these three guys help keep things running smoothly. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. It's also called The Morning Shakeout at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And in it, you'll get a collection of things that I've been thinking about, reading, and listening to lately that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's all I've got for you this week. I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been another episode of the Morning Shakeout Podcast.